Well, hello everybody. Welcome to episode three of the Best Scott Beat. I am your host, Nathan Judah. I'm here as ever with the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, Mr. Joseph Massey. Joe, how the devil are you? I love these introductions. Thank you very much. They're getting more elaborate. They are, yeah. Every week they get a bit more, (laughs) don't they? Um, I'm very well, thank you. Very, very well. Very excited about the podcast this week and our special guest. Yes, well, you, you... Take the wind out myself, exactly. We've got a very, very special guest this week. 60 years, 60 years plus potentially covering the Saddlers. Former Express and Star reporter, Birmingham Mail reporter, Press, Press Association, The Sun, I'm sure plenty more. The man, the myth, the legend <laughs> that is Mr. Paul Marsden. Paul Marsden, oh, the show. Right Paul. Well, I didn't recognise myself for a minute, but uh, it's not bad. It's not as good as Joe's, but I'll take that. Oh, you'll take it, you'll take it. I mean, it's your first time, you know. Absolutely I mean, you, right. you start coming in multiple occasions, I'll, I'll build you up a little bit more. Exactly. What, uh, if that was scotch instead of water, I might be more lucid. Well, well to, to, to be fair, the way that we'll be talking about later on, I might, I might have a... Um, I might go to the editor's office. I think he's got a couple of bottles under the desk. We'll oh, see what it? we can do. Yeah, see Are they we full do. or empty? Well, yeah, half, I think. Half at the moment. Um... Paul, I mean, how the devil are you? What, what are you doing these days? I mean, I'm sure Warsaw fans will well, know Paul very well, um, s- but you are reti- retired now, I'm retired now. I still do the occasional web, uh, theatre reviews. Okay. But generally speaking, I'm a, a watcher and listener and reader of Warsaw and all our Midland teams. I, I listen to Joe, I read his stuff, re- listen to your podcast and you, so forth, and it's really interesting to see how you do it. Fair from, play from for you doing that. From my old typewriters to see what's happening in the media now is very interesting. My mum and dad wouldn't have a clue how to get onto the YouTube or, or podcast. So my mum has not got a phone. She not got a phone. No, I bought her. Well, she has. She does own one because I bought her one for her birthday. Yeah. But she won't use that, so she sticks to the landline. Really? She hasn't. Not even. Not even one of those. You know what they call dumb phones or something opposite of smartphones. Yeah. She hasn't even got one of them. She really? won't. She only. She only sort of. How old is she? Forty-two. <laughs> she is. She's thirty years older than me, so she's sixty-three. Yeah. Which really is not old, is it? No, not really. Not no. old. Um, not not old, compared with me. <laughs> She's pottering around um, without a mobile phone, which I think is ridiculous. I wanted to have one. Yeah. Just on the off chance, she ever got mugged? Because I think if she ever got mugged and someone said, give me your phone, no one's going to believe her. When no, they say, no, no. I haven't got a phone. Everyone's got a phone on them, haven't they? I think they're more interested in the three-carat diamond earrings she'll be wearing, That's mate, true. to be honest. That's uh, true. So, so, I mean, what do you do these days, Paul? I mean, like, for, for fun, for social, exactly. do you get yourself oh. out a little bit? You know, are you it's more never a snooker, boring. a bit of golf? Or? Well, when you retire, there's always... You wonder how you had time to work. Correct. And, and uh, I, I mean, I love golf. Joe knows that. Mm. I play twice a week at Great Bar Golf Club and uh, play in away games for them. Played at uh, Drew's Heath Aldridge yesterday in the seniors match, which we... What did you uh, play off? Uh, play, I, I'm embarrassed to say it's gone up to 20. And embarrassed? I'd <laughs> bite your hand off for 20. And, and, and yet I feel I'm playing better now than uh, I've probably ever played in my life in t- some technical things. I mean, chipped dead from off the green two or three times yesterday. And uh, when you do that, you think you're playing well. But golf's a game that bites you back. Yeah. But, but that's, the thing, that's one of the things. Theatre reviews, that's another thing. Mm. I've cut back quite a bit on that because the media has shrunk so much that uh, there weren't so many newspapers and media outlets that I could write my reviews for. So I'd go home, do a review till about half past 12, one o'clock, and then think, who the hell is this going to? Um, Because so many people have shut down or stopped using it. But uh, I love the theatre. We still go. And... um, uh, generally speaking, I'm a, a reader and a listener. I love all our Midland clubs. I want them all to do well. Good. It's great to see Wolves the way they are. Mm-hmm. And I, I read in your, your expressions the other day 
the uh, owner plans to make them one of the best clubs in the world yeah. and uh, I could see him do that. Uh, for me that's great because when I spent two years in the army doing national service I played for two years in the South Staffordshire Regiment team alongside Jimmy Murray who was the Wolves centre forward. He played for us in the South Staffs on Wednesdays and he played for Wolves on Saturdays and so it was great to play with professionals, there were a number of professionals in the team at the time, I can't remember many of the, who the teams were, but mm. Jim was the, the main man in our team and uh, I scored goals when he didn't, but he set them up <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but that was a great experience and yeah. I, I wouldn't have missed that national service, so I can look back on that and, uh, and playing football and now I just uh, love to read about it, watch it uh, although I haven't been down to Walsall since I pulled the plug, but nobody's invited me back, so... We'll have him back. We'll have him we'll back. We've got to bring yeah. in the press box, don't we? Got to bring him back. I should have named the media suite, the Paul yeah. Marston suite, I think. I, I don't think I... a nice touch. I don't think I was Jeff Bonser's favourite person, so uh, oh, well, I'm, I'm sure not we'll surprised to not get a call. I'm sure we'll get on to Jeff later on. So, I mean, Paul, obviously... Warsaw today, the present day, and where they are at the moment. Sixth in the table, Dean Keats taken over. I mean, they were very much in flux come before the start of the season, but, but I think better than anyone would have thought um, so far. I know they got the def- they had, they had a heavy defeat on Saturday, but where do you see uh, Warsaw and how they've done so far this season? Well, I, I think it's fantastic where they are. I think Dean Keats has done a wonderful job. When you think that two days before the season began, he hadn't got a team, and I think Joe would agree with me that we thought they haven't got a chance, they're going to be down the bottom for sure. Dean Keats suddenly produced two or three players the day before the season kicked off, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they've turned out to be decent players. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably slipping back a little bit at the moment, but they'll come on again uh, as they settle down. Uh, it didn't surprise me the result on Saturday. The scoreline surprised me, but not the result, because I'd read up before the game about Doncaster, and read what their press people have been saying about them, I could see they were a very, very good team mm. and the sort of teams that would mm. would turn over Walsall, as they did. Yeah. Uh, got a bit of nastiness in them, mm. but, uh, but there you go. You've got to do it a little bit. You've got to, you've got to have a little bit of nastiness, don't you? A little bit of a niggle, especially to compete, I think, in those kind of games. Absolutely. There was a bit of nastiness I, I read about and, uh, in the Walsall team. There wasn't in the match on uh, on Saturday. Where... Yeah, well, let's talk about that, Joe. Um, you know, 4-1 defeat, we were both there. I think, you know, obviously Walsall scored the first goal, which is kind of crazy to think mm. at this moment in time. A lot of people talking about the Ferrier-Lehi unsavoury incident, you know, Ferrier coming, grabbing Lehi by his throat. It, it wasn't good to see. We obviously, it was right in front of us. Um, you've had a bit of time for it to process now. You've spoken to Dean Keats. Where are you on that whole situation? Um, well, if we just start with the Doncaster game, first of all. Okay. Um, I spoke to Nicky Devlin after the game. Um, it's, it's a, it's, wasn't off the record, it was just a chat we had after the game. It wasn't didn't have quotes from him on this, but he made a really good point. I'm sure he won't mind me sharing it. That every game this season, Walsall have been in a fight, they've been in a scrap, and they've stood up to that fight. They've matched it and been... Well, I keep saying they've defended like lions. That's what they've been like this season. They, they have fought like lions. Well, on Saturday against Doncaster, it felt like it was a different kind of scrap. It wasn't sort of a lion versus a lion, two people standing up fighting, standing up going sort of toe-to-toe with mm. each other. It was almost as if Walsall would charge at Doncaster, they'd step to one side, this is what Nicky Devlin said, yeah. 
they let them run by and then they sort of clipped them around the ear as they went. They were it was a very, very different kind of battle. There was a lot of gamesmanship on show. The referee didn't help things though, did he? The referee was absolutely dreadful. Um spoke to Dean Keats this morning um about the referee. He's not he knows he can't say anything that's gonna get him into trouble. Of course he can't. He has to write a report after every game on, on the officials. They have submitted a report. Um, on Anthony Coggins, they've raised their concerns. Yeah, we, we can tell you exclusively, it wasn't glowing. It wasn't <laughs> glowing, it's fair to say. Keats, far from happy um, with the officials on Saturday. So I just think, I think a lot of things trans came against Saddlers on Saturday. I mean, it's it's been a little bit overlooked, but Isaiah Osborne came off with a stomach bug at half-time, mm. or just, after, just, just into the second half. A few players were struggling with that. Um, Doncaster hadn't beaten Walsall. In the, well, Walsall won the last seven games against Doncaster. Grant McCann made a big thing to Doncaster players to tell his players to go out and make history because the record against them was so so poor. So I think I think Walsall ran out a little bit of steam. I think a lot of things went against them as in terms of the Isaiah Osborne, the, the bug that went around the changing room. The referee was just absolutely atrocious. There's no other way to say it. You don't want you don't want to hammer officials. You don't want to ha- hammer anybody, but. He looked out of his depth, I think, is the best way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Every decision seemed to go for, for Doncaster. It was, it was dreadful. So, And to give Donny credit, they, they were clinical. They created four... Re- the, the finishing was absolutely outstanding. And Walsall were going to maybe run into a team like that at some stage because um, they've defended really well and teams have missed chances against them. But I think Doncaster's goals on, on Saturday were, were top-notch, really. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, all those things sort of came together and yeah. that's why um, that's why Walsall lost but, the game. But there's one very important fact to think about. Uh, those two lads uh, who got it face-to-face, wasn't it, or nose-to-nose, didn't get booked for it, apparently. No, which is interesting. Now, at, Black, at Plymouth Argyle on Saturday, Plymouth lost 1-0 to Blackpool and in the last minute, two Blackpool players did exactly the same as the Walsall players and were sent off. Mm. Yeah. So they would have been missing a match. I Those said to two Joe players at the time. could have been sent off at mm-hmm. Warsaw and they would have been missing the match at uh, Oxford on Saturday, which is going to be a crucial game. And Oxford have got some decent players. I think you mentioned in one of your pieces, yeah. the uh, Holmes, is it? The, that Ricky Holmes, so, yeah, I think he's uh, on the I read the reports the of their match on Saturday at Wickham and uh, they at one time said, I saw the expression, uh, Oxford blew Wickham away. It yeah. ended up nil-nil, mm-hmm. but it's a warning to Warsaw that it's because Oxford is second from bottom, doesn't mean it's a walkover on Saturday. And if they've been going there without those two players, uh, they might have been in trouble. Absolutely. So, so very Leahy, like it's happened. Okay. Um, luckily enough, as as Paul said, that there weren't some, there wasn't some action taken because it was right in front of the linesman. If the referee didn't see the initial, you know, shoving, I think they were lucky to stay on the pitch, especially Ferrier. And they did stay on the pitch even when Dinky changed it. They kept he kept both of them on the pitch. Um, what about going forward in this situation? He's obviously had them in. He will have spoken to both of them. I'm sure they will have spoken face to face. How do they move on from this? Is this something that you, you brush aside and you move on? Because this wasn't... And look, these things happen on the training ground. We know that. You know, These things happen behind closed doors. It's very rare we see them spill over onto the pitch in front of 4,500 fans. Yeah. Can they put that to bed and move on completely and be absolutely fine? Or will there all, is there going to be some kind of, you know residual effect moving forward? I think that is the big question now, isn't it? Um, look, what Ferrier did was absolutely wrong. Um, he should never have gone, gone over to Luke Leahy like that. I mean, let's be honest, he's, he's grabbed him around the neck, which is not its not pleasant, it's not what you want to see. Of course Leahy's reacted. I think and you, you wouldn't be human, would you, if you didn't react? 
to pull it in some context, this is Ferrier was fouled in the build-up to this. He's, he's been fouled. It hasn't been given. Doncaster have gone up the other end and scored. Leahy's had a pop at him for losing the ball. And, and that's why Ferrier was so angry. He felt he'd been hard done to in the first place. But there's no getting away from it. You cannot do what he, what he did. Um, I think, and I'll be interested to hear what you two think, I think it will blow over between the two of them. I spoke to Dean Keats about it this morning. He had a word with them in the change room after the game. He had them back in again on Monday morning. As far as he he, he says, it's been put to bed. Um, I think this thing does happen. What, what's unusual is it happened on the pitch, isn't it? I think dressing room sort of fights, if you like, scuffles happen fairly often. I think a lot of people think if it happens to them in real life, they wouldn't move on from it. But I think... In the heat of the battle, in a dressing room, I think it's more commonplace in football than it is in everyday life. It's not acceptable what Ferrier did. I'm sure Leahy is not happy with it. But I do think they will pull it to one side and they will move on and they will they, they will be absolutely fine. And I think the fans, most of the fans, will see it as a one-off thing and say, at least we've got players who care about the result. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll, they'll forgive them for that. I, th- I think that's a very good point. You know, they do care and I think they're invested in it and I think that so far, apart from that that skirmish, they have been very... I think Dean Keats is massive on, on it being a team effort, isn't it? And looking out for each other. From my point of view, and I was, I was speaking to this um, to Joe off mic, if that happened to me behind closed doors in a training ground session, I think you kind of get over it. The fact that it was live in front of all those fans, I don't know whether I, can, I could 100% put it behind me and be... Pally pally with the person. Not that you don't you don't need to be pally pally. I'm sure Morgan Ferry and Luke Lee he don't go to Nando's together on a Tuesday night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe they, Maybe, Maybe they should start. Maybe they should start. Maybe or a candlelit dinner. I don't, I don't expect that. But there'll always be that in the back of the back of my mind moving forward. Not just next week, but the week after, and you know, a few months after that. I'll always remember that. Mm. And, and and you know, the, the teammates in the day. And it's not like they're playing side by side either. But um, it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Because you, I think Dean Keats is very, very big on, on team cohesion. Absolutely. Well, I've known Mick Kearns nearly get me around the throat for missing a putt on the golf course. <laughs> so, I mean, you take that into account. Absolutely. And we're still good friends, despite that. <laughs> did, did, you, did you win the competition, though? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Lost by one but shot, I remember, I remember the incident, and uh, Mick Kearns is a, one of the best wind-up men on, on any golf course anywhere. Brilliant. Sadler's yeah. legend, Mick Cairns. Yeah, absolutely. Toughest yeah. handshake in football. Isn't really it? hard. Unbelievable. Hard. Unbelievable. You just don't even want to shake hands with him. Really? Yeah, he's I just, unbelievable. I don't like the one thing he did to me once. He he tells all the people at the golf course, I've no idea whether it's true. I did the voiceover to, for a, a video about Walsall's winning promotion to the second division under Ray Graydon. Yeah. And it, it uh, my voice was supposed to... to raise the highlights during the, the, the action mm-hmm. and Mick Kearns tells people that the um, there was too much of me and not enough action and the club had got hundreds of these videos, couldn't sell them <laughs> and somebody suddenly had a brainwave and sold them to the National Health Service and they <laughs> delivered to people suffering from insomnia and within 10 minutes they're fast asleep. <laughs> I'm sure we've lost half the listeners in this day, uh, so far as well. Uh, okay. 15 minutes in, oh, that's brilliant. So, top draw. Um, I do want to ask you about one thing as well. Obviously, Dean Keats came in, replaced Mr John Whitney. Now, a controversial appointment to start with. Um, you know, not a particularly happy time for him, especially towards the end where it did get nasty. It, got, it, it did get nasty, I mm. think. Um, what, are you, what were your thoughts on, on the John Whitney era, so to speak? Well... 
John McNew, we all say, was a very, very nice guy, and he was a brilliant physio. But he, he didn't, and he, he was nice as a manager for, for the media. Mm. He spoke very well after games, but the team was terrible in, under his regime, and uh, he just didn't seem to get get it. Mm. Um, we felt he'd got to go, and uh, it, but uh, Jeff Ponser took a long time to uh, dismiss him. Mm. But in the end, it, seemed, it was getting so bad. I, mean, I think it, 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 it's one of the things that made me decide to retire really? uh, yeah. that uh, the club was I thought I can't stand failure anymore mm. and it, I felt sorry to the fans having to put up with it and yeah. they were paying money to see it he'd got to go and uh, what Dean Keats has achieved since the Whitney era mm-hmm. has proved that it was the right decision to dismiss him mm-hmm. nice guy as he was I hope he gets another job I don't know whether he has got one yet but um, Dean Keats is from the old school of Warsaw players who were great, great to watch. And uh, I'm absolutely thrilled for him that uh, they're doing so well at the moment. Uh, I, my attitude was on, on Saturday, if Warsaw beat Doncaster, I think they'll be in the top six. If they don't, they'll be just halfway. Mm-hmm. And my, my belief now is that Warsaw will be halfway at the end of the season, halfway okay. at the table. Interesting, very interesting. Uh, we've got some questions for you guys. We've got some questions, plenty of questions from the Warsaw peeps. Okay, here we go. First one, are you ready? Are you ready, Paul? Okay, Thanks first one's that. for you, Paul. Uh, from Ash at Ash Ashley7, um, who says, What's been the biggest change either on or off the field in the last 30 odd years? But well, I suppose you'd you, you have to say moving from the old decrepit. Um, Fellas Park Stadium, which got a lot, of, a lot of atmosphere there, I must mm-hmm. say, but it was falling apart. To the new stadium, uh, that was the the biggest change. Uh, sadly, uh, we found that when the, they'd got all the money for the uh, Fellas Park, which is now a supermarket, they built a stadium with stanchions, which to me was ludicrous. I couldn't believe it when I saw it going up and the stanchions in, in this day, even at that time. Mm. Um, people. Uh, they, they they built before the money was thrown in because of all the trouble on the big the big big grounds the uh, uh, and they got to have seating, uh, but I thought it looked too small. It, they built a new stadium. They got all the chance there to build a really good looking stadium, and people thought it looked like a supermarket rather mm. than a football stadium. It's got one of the smallest pitches in the football league, so t- visiting teams can. Easily defend, you know, sit back and and soak it up. I didn't know that. And uh, it's it, to me, uh, it with all the room they got there, they could have built a really good size stadium with a good sized pitch and and made you feel proud of it. To be to be honest, I feel when I go there, I'm going into an old fashioned stadium, mm. and yet it's 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 fairly it's new. Relatively new. So that, yeah. that to me is a, they missed a wonderful opportunity there with a. Poor, small-minded thinking. It mm. should have gone. In, in I mean, I've, I've seen Warsaw from when they were playing Bournemouth, and the last time I went to Bournemouth, and not all that long ago, mm. Bournemouth v Warsaw, the people were outside Bournemouth collecting in buckets, and I threw fifty pence in, big time for me that, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was to save Bournemouth going out of existence. Yeah, and look at them now. Yeah, absolutely. Really, what about? What are they? Eighth in the in, mm, in the Premiership, and they season. were a poor side compared with Warsaw. Yeah. But they got got get somebody in. An Don't owner right comes way. in with vision and mm. money, and bang, uh, they they've got where nobody thought it was possible. 
Back so in the big town, that's what yeah. We're, and Warsaw's a big town. It's one of the biggest towns in the country. Could easily support a decent team. People would come back, but there's got to be a change of attitude. The fans now are thinking, you know, we don't want to do too well because they'll sell the players. People come in and pinch them, and, and that's what happens. Okay, I've got, I've got, I've got a lot more questions, but I think, I think we're, we're getting onto this topic. I'll get onto the topic that, that I think that a lot of people are waiting for, and we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, Joe. Um, there was a mass um, response from it about the club, about a potential say of the club, and the Jeff Bonzer issue. So I know that you said that a prospective buyer would look at the gate receipts potentially and say that there's there's other places and other more attractive options. And um, Paul, you know, we brought you on today. I know that you're uh, very forthright in your views. Um, what do you think of the potential sale of a club? Um, and, and more importantly, which goes with it, uh, Mr. Jeff Bonzer himself? Well, people always say, don't they, be careful what you wish for, just in case you get rid of somebody like Jeff Bonzer and you get somebody worse in. And uh, But... I think most of the fans have seen Jeff as a very uh, quiet man who keeps in the background, doesn't tell them much, takes a lot of money every year for rent. Uh, and I think if he'd done, he's, uh, mind you, I'm not, I'm, I'm not his best friend. I mean, I don't, mm. think, I don't think Jeff wants to like me and I didn't particularly like him. I don't think many uh, people. But, <laughs> but he's a businessman. And what I will say for Jeff Bonser, he's kept football alive in Warsaw when it had been in danger of going out of existence. But... Uh, everybody's time comes, and I think it's his time to go. Mm-hmm. And I just, but he keeps saying we've got to find the right person to take on the club, and we haven't heard of any big names coming in who want to buy Walsall yet. You'd think where it's <coughs> positioned, right by the M6, and whatnot, get somebody in to spend some money and transform the ground. Even they'd need to do that, mm-hmm. uh, and and make people proud of the place and the fans proud of the team. But a lot of the people who are staying away think Jeff's got no real ambition other than just keeping them ticking over halfway up the uh, League One, and and that satisfies him. So is he so, pricing the club out of of a sale by his valuation? Do you feel, or it, is he really interested in selling the club? Well, a lot of people think he doesn't want to sell the club because he's doing quite nicely out of it. Uh, what is it, four hundred thousand a year in 400, rent? Four hundred. It's four hundred thousand last year. Yeah. So what gets what gets up my nose about him is that. Uh, it was always said, oh, if we can only get a Sunday market, we'll have money to spend on the team and this, that and the other. What happens? They get the Sunday market, the team still hasn't got any money spent on it, still sell players, and where does the money go when they've sold them? It disappears. Uh, and then uh, they say, oh, well, we've got all these uh, super facilities in the stadium, we can have weddings there and shows and this, and they've got those. And they're having the weddings and the shows, the money's rolling in. Where's it going? It isn't going on the on the pitch. Mm. I haven't seen it. So it's it. Well, I'll give him full credit, Jeff Bonser, for uh, keeping the club in existence. But he's done very nicely out of it. I would I would love personally to see somebody with some real nous, uh, n- not a fly by night agent or a crook or whatever, but somebody come in, take, give him his money, let him go. He's he's done his job. He's kept the club in being. Let somebody go in and give the fans something because they're so great fans, Walsall fans. Give them something to believe in. I mean, some I've known some wonderful people at Walsall Football Club supporters over the years. Really great people <coughs> who put their life and soul into it. But when I think of when I started, see, I, I started in a time when the the chairman, well, the original chairman was a former bargee, Ernie Thomas. But after that came um, uh, the Harrisons, um, Bill 
the senior, and Ron, his son, and they they loved the media and they believed in the media. They tell you everything that was going on. They're fantastic. They ring you. I've been I've been called out of a court case at Aldridge covering a court case because Ron Harrison was on the phone to tell me that they'd made a decision on the on a player or a club. He called me out of a, uh, a court case to tell me, and I'm on the, on. I have to go on a phone in the. Uh, local kiosk and put the story over to the, the papers then yeah uh, that was a sort and, and another instance is how they love the media i said i couldn't go to a match at, at plymouth argyle one saturday because i'd got to get back for a news job in the evening early evening and ron's attitude was will you go if i fly you there i said pardon so anyway so that saturday i hop into a six-seater cessna at birmingham airport and Ron and his, his pilot, Jack Muldoon, fly me to Things Exeter. Things have changed, Nathan. I expressed the star. Would send us on a, on a private jet, would they, do you think? No to, chance. To so, cover... so I'm spoiled for it. Yeah. I, that's what I saw, and now I see a Jeff Bonser, who, <clears throat> I wouldn't call him as bad as Abramovich at Chelsea, but you just never see him, you never hear from him. Mm. I'd love to see, in, your express, in the Express and Star, once a week, Jeff Bonser saying, well, we, we're doing nicely, I'm do, my plans are this and that and the other. This is why I haven't spent anything. This is why I'm not giving the manager £400,000 of my rent that I don't really need. Uh, I, I could do it. I could spend that. Is, is it part of it because he doesn't speak? And does that, does that add to it because he, is, he literally does not speak to the media whatsoever? I think that is a huge issue. I'd love to sit down with Jeff and have a chat with him. This is an open plea, Jeff. Please come and talk to me. Come on, Jeff. Have a one-on-one. Um, but Walsall, he won't talk. It was made very, very clear to me... Um, at the beginning, he won't talk. I don't actually know a lot of history to it. I mean, he's he's not he's not he doesn't like the Express and Star, Jeff Bonser, from what I'm told. I, I, I think Paul, he doesn't like the media full stop. Paul, I was going to say that Paul saying Jeff doesn't like him. I think the issue is probably with the media by mm, and large, absolutely. Um, which is a real shame. I think when you when you are behind closed doors, if you like, when you don't speak, that is a lot. That is when you do get a lot of criticism. You become almost an easy target. Um, it's easier for me. I don't know Jeff, so I find it a lot easier to criticise him because I don't have to go and look him in, look him in the eye ever. So um, I wish he would talk. I really, really do wish he would talk. Um, but so just just to interrupt what we were just to come in that mm. the reason why we're talking about this again is because on Saturday um, a chap came over to me in the press box and asked me that he heard the podcast last week. Um, we love the questions, don't we? We love people emailing in. We love people t- tweeting absolutely. in. If people want to come up and say hello and ask questions, then absolutely perfect. That is brilliant mm-hmm. for us. And he, he listened to the podcast and he listened to what I said about the sale of the club last week. And just to recap very quickly, I've almost called it like a perfect storm. I think that Jeff wants to sell. I think the value of the club is roughly £8 million. I explained that the gates every week are about 4,500. That's the average attendance. Plymouth get 9,000, it's double, it's as good as double. And I said, you need to find someone with eight million pounds who is going to buy Walsall Football Club. And these people are just not to a penny. There's very few people out there in the world that have got eight million pounds and want to buy Walsall Football Club. So I think Jeff wants to go, but he's waiting for this magical eight million pound man to come and buy them. Now, the lad who came up to me on Saturday said that, he enjoyed what we said, he enjoyed what, but he felt I missed out an important point, which is he felt a lot of people are staying away because of Jeff. So this 4,500 figure that I believe is the reason why people aren't buying Walsall is not helped by Jeff in the first place. He thinks a lot of people are staying away. Now, there's two points to raise with this. First, the first one is he said back when Walsall were last in 
what was effectively the championship, English football second tier, he said the gates were around eight, 9,000 a week, which is something I've heard a lot. These, these dub- Again, Walsall's gates were doubled. Now, it's, that is a bit of a myth. However, he's not, he isn't that far wrong. Um, so I've looked at the attendances. Oh, he's got the book. He's got I've the history books book. in front of him. So uh, 1999-2000 season, um, they're in, in Nas- Nationwide League Division 1, so okay. the championship. Now, just taking the first month, okay? Yeah. Now, what's really interesting about this is the, is the teams they played. So at home, we've got Swindon, Crewe, and then Norwich. Right Now, they... With the exception of Norwich, they're not the biggest teams in the world. Not, not massively glam fixtures. It's not like, for example, I think somewhere down the line, for example, da, 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 West Brom. Well, there's, look, there's some real big attendances when big, bigger away teams come. For, yeah. um, Wolves, for example, got 9,400 mm-hmm. that day. So there was 9,000 fans in the banks mm-hmm. that day. However, the Swindon game, attendance of 6,400. Um, the Crew game, attendance of 6,200. Norwich, 6,200 again. So... The lad who spoke to me said it was seven, eight, nine thousand. That was wrong, and, and I think that's been glamorised over time a little bit. People look back him in rose-tinted glasses because he's not the only person that said that to yeah. me. However, he is right. Back then, the attendances were significantly higher. Two thousand people were coming every mm. week more, um, and he asked me, "Is that because of Jeff?" And I don't know is the answer. So, Paul, do you know? Do you think it's because of Jeff? Well. I- I think it's because of probably Jeff's policies as much as anything. I don't think it's because of him personally, but because of the set the situation that he sets down that the managers can't spend. And our managers have said to me, uh, good managers, uh, it will always be the same at Walsall. In other words, while Jeff is in charge, we'll have no money to spend and we'll be scraping. That's why they never sign any players pre-season until a fortnight before, because they then they get the players that nobody else wants. Mm. That's all that's left. And they leave it in that late. Now, I think Jeff has got to uh, either come forward and, and give you a statement of, in, of intent and say what his plans are for the future of the club. I've not read a word from Jeff Bonser for years it, since I've left and before then. Uh, I'd lo- love to know what his thinking is. And perhaps he could say to a lot of people, as I say, say well, you could easily afford to bung that £400,000 rent back to the manager one year and say, look, let's have a go this year and mm. let's try and do something. Mm. Uh, if, you, if you could just come forward and tell through the Express and Star, through the, the radio, whatever, what his plans are. Yeah. He doesn't say anything. He keeps his head down. Now, why doesn't he like the media? Because they ask questions quite rightly on behalf of the fans. They should ask questions. But he thinks we're trying to uncover something nasty and, and put him in a bad light. Mm-hmm. That's what he, he doesn't like about us. Uh, but we are. that is the job of your job, to uh, investigate what's going on for the fans who are paying good money. They want to know. They want to know why Warsaw is struggling so much, why Warsaw can se- uh, sell players to Brentford and, and elsewhere for over a million quid, and where does that money go? It's supposed to go on the pitch, and the sort of teams that you've been... I felt sorry for you reading your pieces last couple of years it's been desperate to watch and I could yeah. tell reading what you're saying reading through the lines so if you're feeling that and you're paid to go what about the customers yeah, who are paying to go and they're seeing a lack of ambition at the club and the, lack, the ambition has got to come from the top and if Jeff had come forward and say uh, you're expecting too much this is why I can't spend it here's what I'm doing that's why I want this money why doesn't he tell the people mm-hmm. You know, if you do don't that tell the people, they're entitled to suspect that there's something 
untoward going on. You know, why don't? What's it? What's to hide about it? Why? Why not come forward? Abramovich, you never hear him, do you? Apart from uh, he's got bodyguards. But it's like when <laughs> Terry Ramsden was uh, was um, the fly by night whiz kid from London who came over, flew in in his helicopter and took over when they were at Fellas Park, and uh, he ended up in prison, didn't he? But he he gave uh, turkeys to all the fans at Christmas, and he, he did cut a prior file and he brought the people in because he got the ambition for the club, but. Uh, uh, he, he talked to the media. I mean, I went to, to London, interviewed him in his office, uh, and and he he was you couldn't find a nicer bloke. But um, he, he was a short-term go guy. But he he spoke to the press. I, I like to see chairman speak to the press. If they don't, you think what are, what are they hiding? Come and talk to us, Jeff. Come and talk to us, Jeff. Um, David Chevins emailed us really good email. Uh, a couple of questions he asked. I'm going to read out the the, the second one that he's asked. We might have time for the first one as well, but um, obviously this topic is really interesting. We're going to stick with it because I think it's you know it's interesting to me. So I hope it's coming across to to you guys listening. Um, the observation. This is talking about obviously the discussion we had a couple of weeks ago, Joe. Turning to your balanced comments on the sale of the club, I understand the logic of the valuation of eight million pounds, but in the final analysis, a business is only worth what someone is prepared to pay for it. As time goes by, if Jeff Bonzo wants out, he will surely have to compromise. There are many constraints on the degree of compromise that's possible on the £5 million component due to pension fund regulations. The key question will, rate of, the key question will be the rate of return any buyer wants on their investment. Jeff Bonzo is currently receiving 8%. Someone accepting 6% would put an extra £100,000 a year into the playing budget. 5% is £150,000, etc. However, there is far more scope on the £3 million component, and that's where the compromise might be. Discuss. Okay, well, I'll start. There's a lot going on there, but I can understand. It's very interesting what he's got to say. When you, you did it in inverted commas when you said Jeff wants out. Yeah. Is that, was it in inverted commas? Yes. Any, right, okay. So... When, the, when I say Jeff wants out, I say he wants out for two, for two reasons. One, because of his age, and I think he wants to take a back seat. He's very, I think he wants his place on the board, but I think he thinks he's, he could, he's, he's probably taken it as far as he can. I think he would like to step aside. He wants to be involved. I just don't think he wants to be the main man. Um, in ter but in terms of, so I don't think he completely wants out. Um, the problem is that he doesn't have to, doesn't ha when I say wants out, he doesn't have to leave because of money. This is the issue. He is getting this rent payment every year. He is still bringing in £400,000 in a rent payment every year. Um, it does That figure does change every month. It does go into a pension fund, as we all know, of which we have to say Jeff is a beneficiary of that. He doesn't actually get £400,000. It is split. But we can all agree Jeff Bonser does very, very well at Walsall Football Club. So while Jeff Bonser continues to do very, very well out of Walsall Football Club, his, his want out, if you know what I mean, only extends so far. He is not, I can't see him accepting less for his business when it's still producing a lot of goods for him. I don't think there's any need to. So I think Jeff thinks, I'll take, I'll carry on. If someone comes, I'd love to go. If I get my offer, I'll go. If not, it will go to his family. It mm -hmm. will go down as inheritance. It'll be passed on to, I don't know who, who to, but it will be to the next in line. Joseph Massey. I would gratefully receive it, um, but I don't. That's why I do think he wants out to a certain extent, but I don't. He's not 
going to, I said last time, if no one else would expect anyone to sell an £8 million business for anything less than £8 million. I think that's the way Jeff looks at it. He is a businessman at the end of the day. Um, and that's the, yeah, that, that, that's why I think it, that's why I think we're at this impasse, really. Mm -hmm. Because unless someone comes up with the figure he wants, he's going to continue taking his rent payment, continue living a comfortable lifestyle, and then it will pass on. That's my opinion. And the other thing is, you have we heard of anybody who wants to buy Walsall Football Club? Well, that's, yeah. the, that's the point I keep trying to make. There's, there's, I don't think there's anyone out there who really wants it. There's obviously people out there who want to buy football clubs. Mm. Um, but, I, I mean, I spoke to someone not so long ago. They were involved with a group who wanted to buy a football club and this person I was speaking to put Walsall forward to them um, and straight away they were just League One no yeah. they wanted to look in the championship yeah. because of the pot of gold that Absolutely. waits for you at the end if you get promoted to the Premier League mm -hmm. so there's an awful long there's an awful long way to go if you're in League One yeah, to get to that pot of gold of course the pro one of the problems is with Walsall is that uh, they're so close to all the other big clubs in the area so many people in Walsall go to Wolverhampton Wanderers West Bromwich Albion, Aston Villa. It'd be mm. interesting to know how many people from Walsall do support those clubs. It's quite a lot. And uh, so uh, Walsall just got to raise their profile as a club in some way. Uh, I'd love to see someone come in who genuinely wants to spend money. There's no big businessmen in the area either who, in Walsall who got the sort of clout that, that could uh, buy the club. There's a bloody big screen though. There is a bloody big screen. Bloody big screen well, across yeah, that yeah, Just making money. Well, there's, there's another money. thing. There's another money making. See, the whole place is set up to make money, isn't it? So it's not, it's not a, a dead duck, is it? And you've got to give Jeff credit for that. I mean, yeah, he's exactly. so financially savvy, so business savvy. I think those figures came out the other day about how many teams in the league want to post on a profit. I mean, it is about half, maybe slightly less than half, but Walsall are posting a profit. Everything there makes money. The screen, the bonds are sweet. I mean, it is doing really, really well. Um, but you want that money to go back into the team mm -hmm. at the end of the day. I mean, he stayed away for a long time, didn't he, before, yeah. he, before he came back? Yes, absolutely. Why, why come back when he did, do you feel? Well, it calmed down, didn't it? I think this team started to do reasonably well under Dean Smith and uh, all that. So uh, nobody wants to go and be abused if you're, you're the chairman of a club and mm. you're sitting there and the fans are turning on you while the team are losing and calling, shouting abuse to you. You think, well, what am I doing this for? You're spending all these hours at the club and uh, getting abused by fans, which he was getting a lot of abuse. So I could understand him staying away at that point. But of course the reason was that the fans see him as the man who will not uh, open the purse strings and uh, until he, he comes and explains himself. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to do. We're all giving these opinions, but he's the only man who knows. Why doesn't he come forward and say... I've heard, I've heard all the arguments from the fans, why they're staying away, all this and the other. This is my policy. This is what I see the club moving forward. I'm not just waiting to sell the club to pack, to get a few more millions in my pocket. Yeah. He doesn't need those money. He's made that money. I mean, it's incredible, really, that he's made so much money out of a, a small club which is surrounded by all these big clubs. Do you think it would take, and I was asking both of you this, almost a watershed moment for him to go? Now we spoke. We, we saw Dean Keats, and, and I've, I've spoken to you about this a couple of days before the season started. And he was you uh, he was a bro no, 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 I'm just saying, but he was a broken man. He but wasn't a broken he was man. he was he was devastated. He was he was he, was, he he had a meeting with Jeff Bonds afterwards, correct? About potential players and and getting some money for him. If do you think he was at one point close to walking if he hadn't got some of the deals over the line that, that perhaps weren't there a week before the start of the season? 
I don't think Keats was close to walking, and I think I spoke to him today about it. it's actually six months this week that Keats was appointed um, as as manager, and I asked him about that and what his six months have been like. It's easy to say that when he's sixth in the league now, though. It is easy, but you've got to remember that it's Dean Keats, his hometown club, like he said to me today, he stood on the terraces at Fellows Park, he's bought ticket, he stood in, he sat in the stands at the Banks' Stadium. He is Walsall through and through, he's from Beachdale, he loves the club, he knows exactly what the club's about, so I don't think he was ever, um, ever contemplated walking. I think there was a time when he was concerned, I think the day you're talking about, I think it was the, um, it was actually the open training session, wasn't it? Is that right? Yeah. At uh, the Banks' yeah, Stadium? Yeah, yeah. And, and look, there's no point. You can't hide from it. Darren Rack, um, former Saddlers player, is heavily involved in the recruitment of Walsall now. Um, he was on the phone. I mean, fans could see this if you look around. He was on the phone constantly that day. Um, Keats was leaving the training session at time to talk to him. It was frantic, wasn't it? It was frantic mm. trying to get these players in. And it, was, it did feel a little bit desperate at the time. But I don't ever think... I think Keats... I think the good thing is Keats... They've done so well this season, but I think Keats would always back himself to make a team competitive in League One. Would he make? Would he back himself to? Would he expect them to be sick now? Mm. Probably not. Um, but I think he felt over time he could build a team um, that could be competitive. Well, will they always one. be a selling club, Warsaw? Do you feel? And is, is, does that need to change for them to have a go and to try and push on forward? Is it still? not just off the pitch, but on the pitch, making profit, bringing someone like, I don't know, Morgan Ferrier in for next to nothing. He scores 15, 20 goals in League One, potentially, and then you're selling. Is it always going to be that kind of case? Or are we still waiting for this magical Troy Deeney money to come through before anything yeah. can be done? Um, where, where will that go? Where will that go, yeah. I mean, the, the Troy Deeney money, if, if, it's, never, it's never going to happen now, but they all, the club have said they would look to buy the, buy the freehold um, of the Banks' Stadium, and then that would stop the rent payments to Jeff, which would be huge. Um, yeah, of course they're going to be a selling club. Look, let's be honest, is anyone outside the top yeah. six not a selling club well, anymore? Well, everybody's a selling club. I was talking to Dean, Dean Smith uh, the other day and uh, he was saying how he's had to sell, sell, sell clubs even at Brentford. He, mm. he, he sold three to Birmingham, didn't he? He sold one this year. And uh, yet they're second from top in the church. So you can, you can sell as long as you, when you get the money from that, you can spend some of it, which he did. Uh, but you get the feeling at Warsaw that when the money when they sell, mm -hmm. the money doesn't go straight to the manager to buy sure. a replacement, a decent. How many? I'd love to know how many players that Dean Keats was about to sign well before the season began, but didn't sign because they couldn't compete on money with other clubs. Mm -hmm. So he ends up having to sign players from non-league football, which is no problem with that if they're good. There are some good players in non-league football. But he, he's ending up having to take the leftovers. So that's tough for Dean. But you'd be silly to resign. Once you're a manager, you don't resign. Mm. I always used to say in the past, there's nothing as successful as a failed football manager. He gets the sack, he gets the payoff, and somebody else thinks, oh, you can do a job for us. I mean, uh, you think of umpteen managers mm. in, in that. Era, can't you? I've got a feeling the purse strings have been have been loosened slightly. This is nothing. This is, again, this is a bit like my Jeff Bonser theory. It's not. Um, I've not. I've not been able to have it confirmed or on the record. But after that day, you talk about when Keats did, he, he wasn't best pleased. Shall we say that? I think there was a. I do believe there was a meeting at Walsall that led to funds being made available for the Ferrier deal. Mm -hmm. um, I do think everyone. I mean, it was what was it? It was the day before the season, wasn't it? I do think in the days up to those three signings. Um, I do think there was um, a meeting and funds were released. I think 
in the past, the policy has always been whatever transfer fee Walsall receive, 50% goes to the manager, 50% goes into the infrastructure of the club. Um, like Paul says, a lot of fans will say, well, that just hasn't happened. I mean, where's the Rico Henry money gone? Where's the Tom Bradshaw money gone? It doesn't look like it's even been 50%. Um, but I do think... Um, the Bakayoko deal this summer changed a lot of things and I, and I do think Keats has been given that money I think that was an amazing fee they got for Bakayoko I couldn't believe it when I read that neither could Joe yeah. <laughs> he couldn't get in the Warsaw team I think everyone I mean, was a little I think, bit shocked I always felt that he got something there Bakayoko but uh, uh, to get I, I sure. thought somebody made a mistake there saying uh, nearly £200,000 and, uh, and uh, the, the, I would guess that the Coventry fans are thinking why did we spend £200,000 on this lad he's been on the bench Every match. Happy days, right. That was that was excellent. Um, I think we'll move on. I mean, this is always going to roll on and rumble on, and I'm sure we can. We, we will oh, be revisiting it, yeah, we can do it in plenty years of times. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Right, so got a few more questions. Um, we'll make it quick fire because we have to We have to move on because yeah. we are getting, you know, we, we have talked about that for quite a while, as we should have done because I think that was, you know, very important to discuss. And it, like, it is genuinely interesting. So, um, quick fire ones. Uh, Miles Drake, uh, question for Paul. Um, Best best signing and worst signing um, while you're covering Walsall. Well, uh, you th- think of Martin O'Connor, when, a Walsall lad who ended up at Crystal Palace, and uh, they they eventually signed him. He was he was uh, playing in the team in midfield superbly while on loan, and the fans were chanting, "Sign him up, sign him up, sign him up," and they they hung about and didn't. I think when I was doing the Sports Argus in those days, I gave him uh, first time. And the only time in my career, I gave him the man of the match in three successive games. Terrific player. But Alan Buckley, uh, for a signing, Alan Buckley, who came from Nottingham Forest, was fantastic. I've never seen so many wonderful goals as Alan Buckley scored for Walsall. And he managed the club, of course, and took them to good positions. But some of his goals were wonderful. And I remember him scoring one amazing goal at uh, Charlton. Uh, which won the game 1-0 late in the second half and he, he went through from the halfway line and afterwards the manager, Doug Fraser, put it brilliantly. He said, oh, he was asked about Buckley's goal and he said, oh, yeah, wasn't it brilliant? He said, he, he weaved this way, he went and sold dummies. He, not made, he said, when he shot and scored, the crowd behind the goal went the wrong way. <laughs> and, and, and it was just typical. Buckley, he, he scored overhead kicks. He didn't score many headers, but he didn't need to, but, but he was such a live wire in the box. Worst Fantastic player? Line. Worst player? Worst player, I could I could tell you the worst manager, uh, Frank Sibley, who lasted about five weeks, I think, before he got sacked. And uh, we were sitting at Fellas Park in the press box. The, the players were warming up, ready to kick off, and uh, uh, some, some fan in front of the press box sitting, he turned around and said, hey, lads, where's the manager? We said, what do you mean? Well, Frank isn't here. And we said, oh, has he got the sack? So we ended up, from during the match, ringing his home and asking his wife in London, has Frank got the sack? And, and that, that, then we sent somebody up to the director's box to ask, I think it was Ken Weldon, the chairman, has Frank been sacked? And he said, there'll be a statement after the game. <laughs> and that was it. The man had been sacked and we didn't even know. So back to the, what was the other one? The, the worst signing. Um, it uh, takes some takes some beating. Difficult to think on that one. No, right? that's, that's a good yeah. one. Though, Christian yeah, Bilek for me there. Rocked up and never played. Dreadful. Dreadful. Will Randall, bless him. Lovely lad, not too far behind him. He didn't okay. do a lot either. They've had some bad ones, I know. But, uh, <laughs> I know put, the, put in the worst. Uh, one for Joe. Uh, Chris at Dace Wine. Uh, many news on a possible free agent. Quite a few people asking this. Um, Dean Keats uh, 
said that they were close to potentially to signing a free agent gone quiet recently. Any, any latest news on that? Yeah, because I'm so on the pulse. Um, I went to Essington this morning, spoke to Dean Keats, had a long list Just of questions. Just for this podcast. One of them on my list of questions was, how's it progressing with a free agent? And? I forgot to ask. Oh, brilliant. Ah, oh, dear. Oh, I couldn't bear walking into the car park. You, you and see, just Paul, what happened to your day? Do you know what I mean? You get through your question, boom, boom, boom. Being honest, though. Being honest. Baby brain, baby brain. We haven't got computers in those days. I did have a tough night last night with my little girl. She's not very well. Oh, that's it. So, yeah, the player in question... He's a player who's got a lot of interest. He had a lot of interest. Um, I think Keats would still like him. I think um, it's an option there on the table. Um, he hasn't gone elsewhere at the minute, but I think he does have options on the table. So, yeah, it's going to be in a case of wait and see. I should have asked today. I'll definitely ask on Saturday just to get Keats's, if, just to see if absolutely 100% is there still a chance or isn't there still a chance. But as far as I'm aware, the player it is, he hasn't, he hasn't signed anywhere, so... Okay. Potential still. Um, I've got like five, six questions in five minutes. Oh, so right, this sorry, is a minute got... question, okay? Okay, go, 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 go. Okay, here we go. Uh, my colleague, Joe. Disappointed by the Doncaster result. We seem to be on top in the first 20-odd minutes, yet Doncaster's robust, niggling play seemed to take the wind out of our sails. Uh, what can we learn from this, and how do we best adjust our play strategy to combat such tactics? Um, I don't... Wow, I don't... I don't think they need to know a lot. Like, I think I really do think it was a bad day at the office. Of course, of course, um, they're going. At the end of the day, they're going to lose a game at some point this season. You're not going to go. They're not the Arsenal Invincibles, are they? They're in League One. They're going to. They're going to lose at some point. I think there has been a little bit of an overreaction to the loss. It was just a bad day at the office. Everything went against them. The referee was dreadful. I think in terms of the system, Kings is going to have to look at it. I think it's great that they've now got options in the middle of the park. I think on Saturday. Um, Doncaster's midfield three outnumbered the Saddlers' midfield two at times, um, and I think that's probably the big learning curve. Keats went to a three at Barnsley. I think maybe in hindsight should have done that on Saturday. Um, so I think just tactically they need to look at things. Um, but other than that, right off is a bad day. They've had a fantastic start to the season. They're defending heroically. They're scoring goals. Just crack on. Okay, David Winters. Um, who would win in a fight? Oh, not this. One Leahy-sized duck and ten duck-sized ferriers, or one. Ferrier-sized duck and ten duck-sized leahies. Oh, this lad. I should duck that question. <laughs> <laughs> I love this question, but it baffles me every it's, time. It's a tongue twist of me to I say. Know, I, can't, I can never get my head around it. Ten, oh. ten duck-sized ferriers. You want? They'll be niggly. They'll be ten duck-sized ferriers. will be all over. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I won't mess with Morgan Ferrier. Would you? No chance. No. Um, Kevin Paddock, do you think Keats made his first? Uh, First mistake of his Warsaw reign by going back to the two in centre midfield on Saturday, then replacing Osborne with Ronan rather than going with Kinsella. Now, there's a lot of people, and a lot of people who I've seen on Twitter, um, not happy. Conor Ronan came on to, into the game, and it was 1-1, and it finished 4-1. And I think they weren't happy with maybe a tackle that he might have ducked out. I think maybe a 60-40 tackle, um, saying, is he any, any, any better than Kinsella? I mean, they're completely different players. Yeah. What I would say is that is that is that... He is better cut Ronan in a three rather than a two. I think that's the problem with him at at, uh, at Wolves as well. But, I mean, he's just been man of the match against Burton the, the other week. I mean, yeah. are we quick to, to chastise him because he's maybe a Wolves player? And is it that kind of doesn't help things? Um, right, so, yeah, Kev, 
I'll give you more than a minute on this. Can I have more about it? I need yeah, more than a minute. You might have to yes. pond me on this because there's a lot, there is a lot to talk about. So Kev Paddock, uh, is celebrity Walsall fan, Kev Paddock. He, uh, he gets everywhere. He gets everywhere. Everyone knows who Kev Paddock is, as does Dan Gilbert, his friend, who went on a massive rant yesterday at the Express and Star because you, because there was a video on Conor Ronan. He was like, you're pushing your Wolves agenda. Oh. But two days out of the office and Dan Gilbert has lost it. Um, but <laughs> yeah. they are cracking lads. They're Wolves. I mean, they, they live and breathe the club. They absolutely do. So... Kev's question is: Did Keats make a mistake bringing on Kinsella for Ro- bringing on Ronan for Osborne? Yeah. Now, in Keats's defence, he felt at the time Walsall weren't keeping the ball; they were lacking a little bit of com- composure on the pitch, um, and that's why he brought Ronan on. He felt they needed to keep the ball better. I actually tweeted: um, I saw, We saw Ronan warming up, didn't we? And mm-hmm. it was quite early in the second half. I'm just touching on what I said earlier, really, but I actually tweeted, you can go through my time feed so it doesn't look like I'm lying, I'm just saying it. I actually felt at the time that they needed to go to 4 3 3. I felt they needed to match them up in the middle yeah, of the park. Exactly. And I, because I, I saw Ronan sort of take his jacket off, I obviously didn't know about Isaiah Osborne's stomach bug at the time, and I did tweet saying, Ronan's coming on, looks like we're going 4 3 3. I think it's the right decision to make. Yeah. Um, that didn't happen. Osborne came off for Ronan, it stayed in midfield too. If it was me and he just wanted, and Keats wanted to stay in the midfield too, I would have brought Kinsella on for Ronan. I do think he is, he's he's much more defensive minded. Um, I do th- I do think Ronan will struggle in the two, like you said. To me, it was it was a double mistake really by Keats, who yeah. uh, for the first time this season. I mean, Kev said this was the first mistake he's made this season. Well, fantastic. I mean, yeah. all, the amount of games we're in, um, and we're we're now talking about Dean Keats's first mistake, but. If it was me, I'd have gone to a midfield three. I'd have probably brought on Ronan and Kinsella. Um, but if it, if Keats, I would have definitely have gone Kinsella over Ronan to stick with the midfield two. Do you recall during witness time, I was constantly sending you emails saying, why is Whitney playing Kinsella as a right back? He's never a right back. He's a midfield player. I've seen him play midfield only briefly a few times. But to me, his quality was in midfield. Yeah. And, and great, thankfully... Keats has come to the same opinion as announced in your, one of your pieces saying that I see him as a midfield player and I think he deserves more of a chance than he's been given. It was it was immediate as well with Keats. As soon as he came in, it was... I mean, I think Kinsella did play a couple of games from last season at right back, being used straight mm. away he was a midfielder. Yeah. I think with Kinsella, the thing is, he doesn't give the ball away very often. He's a very, very technically Absolutely. good good midfielder. And I think he's, he's kind of steady. One mistake against Gillingham last season aside, you can always sort of peg your hat on him. He is very, very reliable. Mm. And I think that's why he was shoehorned in at right back. But he's not a right back because he doesn't offer a great deal going mm. forward from right back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be... Uh, and and what about what about Conor Ronan and, and this? You know, there's obviously a little bit of niggle between Wolves and Walsall. Uh, you've mentioned it on a few tweets as well. Do you think it is because he's come from Wolverhampton Wanderers? And, and do, you, do you get that? Do we need to start moving on from that? They've got, you know, they've, they've obviously loaned some great players from West Brom recently. You know, Tyler Roberts and um, you know got Jack Fitzwater at the moment. And there's some quality players. And it just feels like with Wolves and maybe there's a little bit more disdain or they're, they're quicker to get on the back of certain players. I think there is that beef. I think there is the Wolves issue. Look, like like a lot of Walsall fans, I'm not a big fan of the Dingles as we call them. I mean. And I think it doesn't help Ronan that he does come from Wolves. Um, but he's what, a Walsall player now. But, you need exactly. to get behind your players, Absolutely. don't you? And what I say to that is, he's out of contract at Wolves at the end of the season. Now, as Paul said at the start of the podcast, their owners saying, oh, we're going to become one of the biggest teams in the world, blah, 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 blah. Fair enough, that's what they go and do. But the chances are, Conor Ronan is not going to play a part in that. 
Um, he's a free agent at the end of the season. You think back years ago, um, Wolves had a player called Sam Manton. They had him on loan initially. Remain Sawyers. I mean, you look at these players they've had in the past. Initially joined the Saddlers on loan. They were from Albion. Then they end up signing from on a permanent basis. Because they enjoy it. Because they, and they enjoy play it. Week to week, they enjoy it. They enjoy playing regular football. And if they're in a comfortable atmosphere... And they might have a chance to go on further, but they might need to come down that level to show you know, one or two seasons of their ability before they get that move. Uh, I, I completely agree. And I think Ronan um, has got a massive, massive opportunity at Walsall now. And it, it, look, it, on the ball, there's no doubt on his ability. Size-wise, physicality needs to improve. But he'll learn that in League One. I think there's a real chance Conor Ronan could be a Walsall player this time next year. And for that reason... You need to get behind him. Fans need to get yeah. behind him because he, he is a talent. And I think if he does perform the way he can, from what I've just read about the way he's been playing, the fans will love him. I do. I, I honestly don't think the Wolves thing will come into it. If he turns out man of the match performances in midfield and creates goals and things, I think the fans will love him. I don't think the fact that it's always been. A, I've always been concerned that Walsall have not borrowed players from our local teams. They get them from here, there, and everywhere, and then you, you come across all. Was it Oldham last season? And all, a player up front was on loan from Wolves, wasn't he? And he, he ran rings oh, around Wolves. Right. Duckins Nazan. I said, yeah, I right. said you an email saying, why the hell isn't he at Walsall, that guy? He's got pace, strength, power. Walsall. Why, can, why does he go to Oldham rather than just round the corner at Walsall? Yeah, and that's massive. Connor Ronan lives with Connor Johnson. I mean, this is how... You can't rule these things out. Zelly Ismail lives in Wolverhampton. That, that, these are big factors for players. The reason yeah. why they've joined Walsall. So yeah. they absolutely have to tap into that. Yeah. They've done it with Albion. They've done it really well. But they perhaps haven't done it so much with Wolves um, and Villa down the years. I know, to be fair to John Whitney, he was very close to some very, very good signings from Villa in his time in charge. And they ended up breaking into the Villa team. And Keenan Davis was one of them he was very, very close to getting. Um, but... You've got it's, football is is about things like that. you have to t- take into account location. You have to take into account players being happy, being near their families, and that's why, especially with these big clubs like Albion, Villa, and Wolves, a lot of players are going to drop by by the wayside, aren't they? They're mm-hmm. going to fall yeah. out of the club. And Conor Ronan could be one of these players that is an incredibly talented individual, yeah. but it's just not good enough to play at, in for Wolves in the Premier League. Sure. There's absolutely, absolutely no shame right. in that, is there? No, so absolutely Wolves not. have got to be sweeping up these players. Well, Sawyer's is an example, isn't he? He dropped out of West Brom, came to Walsall, and he's now star man at Brentford. Yeah, done, done incredibly well. Superbly well. Less yeah. than I thought he would do, actually, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. But I'm, fair play. Uh, right, OK. We'll have to leave the questions. I'll have to leave them for oh, another no. couple of weeks. There's so many more, but... Um, you know, we're really short for time. Um, so I've got a couple of fun things to do before we'll look ahead to Oxford to, to finish off, OK? OK. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, right, OK, so this is just... I want one-word answers from you guys, OK? <laughs> one-word <laughs> answers. It's called fill in the blank. It's a little <laughs> thing, fill in the blank. So I'll say a sentence with a blank. Like, a bit like blankety-blank, OK? Old, old school. Remember that part, like blankety-blank? I do indeed. Yeah, there you go, OK. <laughs> so, um, one-word answers. OK, here we go. Uh, and these some of the things I've asked before, but they might have changed with the, with the defeat you don't know. Warsaw will finish blank. Joe Massey. Eighth. Eighth. Paul? Fifteenth. Uh, Fifteenth? This season? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh-huh. Warsaw's best player is blank, Paul. Best player at the moment? Yep. Um, the goalkeeper's been pretty outstanding mm. in most matches I've from reading. I mean, I have not been there to... I'm only going on what I've read, but uh, <laughs> Joe has 
constantly picking out the, the captain, yeah. Dobson in midfield. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I guess he'd uh, have to, he's, my, he's the most uh, reliable. Mm. Uh, and for years I wanted a genuine good midfield man who can attack and defend, and he seems to be the man for that. The centre-halves are getting better, but it concerned me that uh, they conceded four goals the other day, although, as Joe said, they were worldish, most of them. Doncaster probably never f- scored four goals like that again, mm. but they've conceded four. And what, the other thing that conceded me, they, they played Macclesfield, who can't beat anybody in League Two. They're down the bottom. They come to Walsall and score three goals and then win a penalty shootout. And that was against the Walsall defence, so I'm concerned that the defence might yet, not yet be good enough. And why, I don't know. I'd like to hear Joe's opinion on that. But uh, that has concerned me, that they, they are liable to suddenly ship goals. It's a great one-word answer. It's a, <laughs> it's a great one-word answer. Blankety blank was lost. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, but look, you can do what you want on this. You can do what you want on this show. It's fine. Um, you can always edit it out. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll, 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 we'll be keeping in. George Dobson. George Dobson. Okay, George Dobson. Right, okay. Dean Keats will be manager for blank years. Oh, that's a great question. Mm. Joe Massey, including this year's the first. No, well, one year. Let's start this season, so we're not counting the you know, back end of the last few games. Dean Keats manager for blank years. Four. Four. Three. Three. Good ones. Four and three. Morgan Ferrier is worth blank. Um, punch on the chin. <laughs> <laughs> Joe? 350k. And what did they they get him for? Sorry? What did they get him for? 35k. 35k. Decent profit. Jeff will (laughs) pick his hands together. There's there's got to be more players like that in non-league football that Walsall should be looking for. Peterborough made a business out of selling them for big money. And And Keith knows that market, which is massive for Walsall. Huge. And also, you know, just saying that as well. But, you know, if if they don't make it, it's not a lot lost, is there? Do you know what I mean? Perfect transfer, isn't has it? Dean, has Dean noticed that since you left Wrexham, Wrexham are second from top of there, are <laughs> They are, but they, they, when he left, they did tumble out of playoffs, didn't they? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Andy Cook will score blank goals this season. Uh, eight. Oh. I, w- I would say that. No, you wouldn't. Go on. Fifteen. No, 50, I'm a bit disappointed at how he's... Form has fallen away in recent games. And, well, you talk uh, about Josh Gordon maybe taking his place. I mean, there's no guarantee that he might keep his place potentially moving forward. You don't know how. No, I know I, you're a massive Andy Cook fan, aren't you? Well, yeah, it keeps getting brought up. I'm a massive Andy Cook fan, but I do. I, I back him to get goals. Why? Why does he fall away so much in games? He disappears. <clears throat> Cook's had two bad games, um, to which he's been in. It's been Walsall's worst two performances. Um, I think that coincides really. Look, strikers rely on service, don't they? And I think mm. he, if you find him in the box, he is going to score goals like that. He really, really will. Mm. I think you can't, we can't pinpoint Cook for two lacklustre Walsall displays. I think no. when Walsall click into a better gear, you'll see the best of him, personally. Okay. Two more, two more. The club will have a new owner in blank years. Oh, no. Six. Six! <laughs> Two. Two? Oh, 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 hello. On the front page. Six two. Get it on. There's your back page lead tomorrow. We're going. We're going. Oh, dear. And last one. Best Expressive Star Warsaw reporter ever is blank. Paul Marston. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to answer some more than one answer because on Up the Saddlers um, recently there was a... There was People talking about me, as I do sometimes, and they said Joe Massey is the best Expressive Star reporter since... 
Paul Master. Really? Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, night number two. There you, there you go. go. So I'm more than happy with that. I'll take that. Every <laughs> All day, right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Everyone's a winner. Right. You say everyone's a winner here. You could be a winner at home, everybody. How would... You know, we give away a Warsaw shirt sometimes for a week, you know? Yeah. your chance to win a Warsaw shirt. How would you like to go, either of you, for a weekend for two in Paris? A weekend Paul. for two in Paris. Both of you could go. One of you could go. You could, you could send someone else if you wanted to. Because that's what we're giving away, the potential to go on a weekend for two in Yay Paris. Beautiful Paris. Um, all you need to do is retweet any of the publicity we put out on social media for this podcast. And you'll be in the hat to win a potential weekend for two in Paris. So, what a prize. Very nice. If you get picked, you need the following things to happen, okay? Two first goal scorers in the games this weekend. Paul's going to pick one. Joe, you're going to pick the other, okay? Okay, yeah. Joe, I'll go to you first. Oxford against Warsaw. Give me a first goal scorer, please. Zeli Ismail. Zeli Ismail is the Warsaw goal scorer. Paul going for um, a team that all Warsaw fans love. It's Manchester United against Wolverhampton Wanderers at Old Trafford on Saturday. Can you give me a first goal scorer in that game? Uh, Let me just think. Any Man United player or any Wolves player, who you think will be uh, on the score sheet first, whether it be uh, a Jota, a Jimenez, a Lukaku, um, a Sanchez... Rashford. I think the way he's playing, Lukaku is the most dangerous striker in the Premiership at the moment. I'd always go for Lukaku to score a goal. Romelu Lukaku and Zeli Ishmael. If they score the first goals, we will pick a lucky winner Saturday morning. Make sure you retweet uh, the tweet that either myself or Joe put out. If you do it both, you get two entries. We will let you know. And if those two things happen, you are going to Paris for the weekend. You can't go wrong with that, can you? Wowzers. Happy days. Right. Oxford, Oxford United, Saturday. Um, first defeat this season. I mean, you look at Oxford towards the bottom of the league, but it's not going to be an easy game. They've only won one game all season, but it's not as straightforward as that. You want them to get back on the, on the horse pretty quickly, don't you? You do. It's going to be a very, very interesting game. It's the first time we've seen Walsall after a defeat, really, because I'm not, I'm not bothered about the cup defeats. It's a league defeat for the first time. The players were hurting after Saturday. Dean Keats was called for a reaction. They've got to give him a reaction. He said places are up for grabs in the team. He was so disappointed with the display. A word on Oxford, it is not going to be an easy game. I spoke to Keats this morning. He thinks they're in a bit of a false position. To me, Ricky Holmes, uh, they've got him on loan from Sheffield United. He is one of the best players in the division. Top five, hands down, one of the best players in, in the division. He can score and create against anybody. Carl Robinson, not got a lot of fans, but he's an experienced manager at this level. I don't expect Oxford to be relegated this season, so it's a much tougher game on paper than it looks on the table. Um, but I do, I do really fancy Walsall to go there and get and get a win. Um, get a win, really? Yeah. Yeah, I fancy. Um, I do think, I do think there's going to be a reaction. I think it's what Nicky Devlin said. There's no apathy in this team now. There's no acceptance when it comes to losing games, um, and I just think they know they have to perform for Keats. Mm-hmm. He just, he just take. There's just no room for error, really. They will have to put in a performance for the manager because Keats won't have it any other way. Um, so I think worst case, I mean, I think Wolves will definitely get a result as in a draw, but I do think they've got a great chance of winning the game. That'd be great, Paul, to get back on it, and if they get a win, to you know, just to kind of like ease those potential fears or whatever of the bubble being burst. Yeah, I expect a much better performance for them on Saturday. Uh, but knowing you've mentioned, I think that Oxford are in a false position. I read their recent reports, which were good, so I go for one each. 
One each. Well, you, you, you've come to what I was going to ask you next. One, one, and, and prediction for you? One, two. One, two. Um, and any changes, you think? Um, Ismail back. I think Ismail will definitely come back in. Um, I think uh, he was really missed on Saturday. Yeah, I don't know, is the honest answer. It'd be really interesting to see how Keats goes. I think they play a 4 2 3 1. Yeah. Um, I could look at that on my phone very quickly. I couldn't believe, no, no, no. um, believe Ishmael was left out on Saturday. Just because he was just because he's working his way back to fitness, I think. But I think if, I think it'll go. I think he might go three in the middle. Connor Ronan comes in, and I think Zelly will come in, and it might be Zelly one side, Josh Gordon the other. Oh no, it'd be Zelly one side, Janelli the other, and Ferrier back in, in through the middle. That's it, boys. Come to the end. How long have we gone on for? We have been uh, rattling on for one hour and seven minutes. Oh, that's not bad, is it's it? Not, it's not too I bad. I thought we were way over. Paul, I want to say, and I think Joe as well, what, what, what a massive pleasure it is to have you on there. I hope you will come on. I hope you haven't been scarred by, by this, <laughs> by this podcast. But we love, it's been really interesting for me. I, Joe, for you as well? Oh, massively, massively. You would be a fantastic guest. Well, I've enjoyed listening to your previous ones at home. It's uh, always made me smile and uh, groan at times when the, the bad news <laughs> has come out. But uh, it's, 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 a good, it's a good system. Are you getting yourself away? I heard, I heard the whispers of you maybe, maybe going, um, going on a little cruise. Yeah, just going on a cruise. Uh, oh, my face. But I'll be tuning in. Uh, yeah, s- there you go. Sky on the ship. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you will still be getting... Text from me, I always expect them, Paul. Five a game, isn't it, on average? Five a game, and all. (laughs) Brilliant. Thanks very much, uh, Paul. From Paul, from Joe, from myself, have a great weekend. Come on, the Saddlers. 2 1 win against Oxford United on Saturday. Back up to third or fourth. Happy days. Take care. Bye bye.